Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Trina Reagan. Trina is the Director of Policy and Innovation for Operation Food Search, which distributes more than $35 million worth of food and necessities to 330 community partners in 31 Missouri and Illinois counties, as well as the city of St. Louis. Yeah. That's a lot, ma'am. It is. $35 million? Yeah. Holy cow. So there obviously is a great process behind all of this. What does this look like? Um, I think it's a lot like, um, I always think of that like um, making the sausage. Like you don't necessarily want to know what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but no, it is a warehouse um, and it runs very smoothly. Things come in um, and then we have over 200 organizations that pick up from us um, weekly or bi-weekly. Um, they are scheduled an hour time frame each week to come to our dis- distribution side and they okay. get non-perishables, they get produce, they get meat. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and who are these organizations? Um, it's a combination. So it's food pantries in okay. those counties that we serve. It is um, residential facilities. Um, it could be senior living. Um, it could be a drug treatment facility. Um, it is soup kitchens and homeless shelters. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. And yeah. who gives all this food to you? Um, so we have great relationships with the local grocery stores. So Schnucks is our number one donor. Awesome. Thank you, Schnucks. I did not know that. Yeah. So they're really generous. Um, They... It actually started with Schnooks and Deerbergs um, as a way to try and um, recognize that there was food going to waste, but there were also people who were hungry. Right. And so these are relationships that have stood the test of time. We started working with Schnooks and Deerbergs, I believe, in 1981. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I, I'm so impressed with everything that you guys are doing. So so I, I uh, Rochelle Brandvine, Brandvine was the person that yeah. introduced us. Love and Rochelle. she sent some information to me that was just amazing. So one of the things that I noticed is you guys have a new program. Yeah. And it is, what is it called? Fresh RX Nourishing Fresh RX, Healthy thank Starts. You. And I, I watched a few videos um, from women talking about how you taught them how to cook, Mm -hmm. I mean, really how to shop, how to cook. And if you were not brought up in a family that taught you how to eat healthy, I mean, you you don't have this, you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. You need somebody to bring it to you. So talk about the program. Sure. So um, the program had like a very interesting start. So I've been um, with Operation Food Search for two years as of May 1st. Okay. So in 2017, I was, it was the second Monday of me being there and I received this email in the morning and it was from um, someone named Matt T. Jones. And I thought, who is sending me an NPR article? I do not know an, a Matt T. Jones. Well, it happened to be that my boss, Lucinda Perry Jones, was using her husband's account <laughs> in the morning, gotcha. his iPad at, in the home. And so I read it and it was about this prescription program in um, Pennsylvania run out of Geisinger Health System where they had recognized with diabetic patients that 
patients who didn't have access to enough food or healthy food were having poorer outcomes than those who did. Sure. And so, you know, when you're diabetic, they may have you meeting with a registered dietitian who's prescribing a certain diet for you. And it may be labeled as non-compliance if you don't follow that diet. But in this case, um, some genius doctor was smart enough to recognize it's not that these patients meant to be non-compliant. It's simply that they couldn't afford the healthy food um, that was being recommended by their registered dietitian. Wow. And so they started a small program, not really knowing that it would inspire others and maybe other states to start doing programs that were similar. But in the first seven or eight months, they saw A1C scores, so blood sugar scores, drop by an average of two to three points per participant. And they saw healthcare costs in that time period dropping by $24,000 per participant. Wow. Yeah. All by providing some healthy, um, nutritious foods for the patients. But it's true. I mean, you go to the grocery store and you can buy snack cakes for like a dollar yeah. for, you know, a huge box of them. Sure. As And then then one green pepper for a dollar. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like if you want people to eat healthy, it has to, they have to be able to afford it. They do. And I mean, this is set up from, I mean, this is all a trickle down about what we um, commoditize as crops here in the U.S. So you'll see when the farm bill just passed this past year, the largest commodities are for things like wheat and corn mm-hmm. and soy. So they are our least expensive right. um, uh, products that are, are produced they by farmers. They tons of stuff. And so they end up being made into a lot of really processed um, products. And those, of course, are cheaper on the market for that reason, um, as opposed to you don't see a lot of commodities for green peppers. Right. <laughs> there's, right. there's not a huge <laughs> fruit and veggie commodity. Um oh. Or lobby um, to try and get those commodities here in the U.S. And so that influences the prices we see in the grocery store. Right. Um, so, yeah, it can be it can be expensive if you want to eat a, you know, very we call it nutrient dense diet. So right. getting all those good vitamins and minerals from the food you eat. Um, we try and teach our participants ways to stock up and um, stretch their budget, but that's a skill you have to develop. Um, so yeah, so we got this story. I emailed her and said, why, you know, she, I'm new. I've worked with her for six, this is day six now. Right. I said, why are you sending me this story? And um, I said, is it just like a, hey, this is really cool? Or do you actually want to do something like like this? And she said, well, you know, I said, because I have an idea of what we could do. Um, and so she said, well, write a concept paper. And I didn't know at the time that was like Lucinda's test of me. Ah. Um, like, can she come up with a concept paper? Concept so, paper. Right? I was like, sure. So I whipped up <laughs> this idea. There's a lot on the line here. Yeah, right? Um, and so here we are 20 months later with this program that um, we're working through the OB Care Center at DePaul Hospital. In okay. St. Louis, SSM Health, DePaul Hospital. And what they have started doing is screening women who enter for prenatal care. They're screening them for food insecurity as part of the intake process. Wow. So just like they would take um, their blood pressure, you know, their 
their vital signs, everything else, they are now as part of that intake process, screening whether or not the households are experiencing a level of food insecurity because we know food insecurity during pregnancy is not great for mom. Right. And I mean, she's essentially growing another human being. Right. And that takes extra nutrients. And so we know if mom and baby don't have proper nutrition during that period, moms are more likely to develop gestational diabetes, um, Babies are more likely to be born at a low birth weight, with birth defects, with developmental delays. So there are a host of complications for mom and baby when there is food insecurity during pregnancy. And is the food insecurity mainly financial, but or is it also just access? I mean, if you don't have a car, guess what? You're walking down to the gas station. Yeah, so right? it's a combination of both. Um, most of the moms that we've enrolled, we have 35 women in the program thus far, and most of them live in food deserts, okay. So, which is defined in the city as living at least a half a mile away from your nearest full-service grocer. Okay. Um, and 70% of them lack access to consistent, reliable transportation. Um, meaning that they may not have a, a access to a car. Maybe they share a car in the family. Maybe that car, um, the heat's out, and so they don't want to drive it in the winter, whatever it sure. may be. Um, there are some challenges to having access to food. So then once DePaul is like, all right, this person's going to need some extra help, yeah. then they're sent to you, and then you guys, you guys take it from there. So we've embedded a licensed clinical social worker in their office. Her name's Jenny O. She likes to say, just like the turkey. <laughs> um, and so what happens is the doctor and the nurse practitioner will um, do the screening, and then if they screen as positive for food insecurity in their household, meaning they don't have access to enough um, food to live a healthy, active lifestyle, um, they are referred to Jenny. And Jenny does this comprehensive assessment with them because we know food insecurity doesn't happen in a bubble for right. most families. Right. Um, if you're struggling to meet your household's food needs, you, you may have other needs that are, are going unmet. And so she maps out a plan with them um, because women are really open to change during pregnancy. They're making an addition to their family and and they want the best for their family. Right. And so it's a chance to really focus on how to get their family into the best situation possible before that baby is born. Um, and then she refers them on to our registered dietitian for the program and our community chef for the program. So mo moms who are in the program have access to a social worker, a chef, and a dietitian. Um, oh my gosh, during that's the course awesome. Of the program. It has been exceeded my wildest dreams when I wrote that concept paper. Yay! <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah. So it has been great to see how women have responded to having that level of support. Um, one of the things they receive from us every week is a weekly share from something called Fair Shares Combined Community Supported Agriculture. So Fair Shares is located here in St. Louis. It's run by some great sisters, um, Sarah Hale and Jamie Kohler. And they, it's a, it's kind of a collective. So they work with 80 farmers from kind of Southern Illinois and Missouri. Right. Um, and those might be cattle ranchers. They might be poultry farmers. They might grow fruits. They might grow vegetables. They might grow rice down in the boot heel. Um, but every week they create, um, they curate based on the season, a share of local protein, local dairy, local grains, and local fruits and vegetables. And so those vary um, from around $35 a share, which mm -hmm. can feed uh, just two adults in a household, to $50 for a full share, 
um, which can feed, you know, a family of four. And so every week they get this share nice, of Nice, yummy box full of local nutrition. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. We'll be right back. Yeah. Okay, we're back with Trina from Operation Food Search. And we were talking about Fresh RX, which you said there is more to this story. There's more to this story. So, yes, yeah, so kind of what you were saying before, we recognize that a lot of the women um, that were enrolling in the program might not know how to how to prepare right. fresh foods. And we were kind of questioning in the beginning, like we loved the idea of partnering with Fair Shares and supporting our local farmers through this program. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really kind of a closed loop of we're addressing food insecurity, we're helping moms and families, we're supporting the regional food economy, and we're hoping to change health outcomes so that we have more healthy babies. Right, right. Who doesn't love that? Yeah, I mean, this is a good plan. It was, in theory, it was a really good plan we thought we had. And so um, we just weren't sure. I mean, if you're a busy mom, if you have a lot going on in your life, um, you're maybe struggling with some other stressors in your life, are you going to have time to like go home and prep all of these fruits and vegetables and create the meals? And so far, we've been pretty pleasantly surprised. So one of the things we've done is we formed a participant advisory council. And so that is a group of the actual participants who, this is just the pilot phase right now, and they're helping us figure out how to make the program better before we do a full rollout of it this fall. Cool. Yeah, so they get together with us and we we just ask them like what's working, what's not working, um, what would be most helpful to you. For instance, at this last meeting, they just met last week, what we heard from the women is um, the postpartum period is the hardest for them. That's six or eight weeks. Right. They have a new baby. Almost all of them are on unpaid maternity leave. So finances are difficult oh, during wow. that period. Um, of course, they're str- they have a new baby who may or may not yeah. be sleeping and all right. that goes along with it. And so what they asked for was, can we do more about food budgeting and household budgeting earlier in the pregnancy? Um, and can we you help us learn how to prepare so that we maybe have meals ready um, right. for that period? And so that was really helpful yeah, feedback. That's great. Um, and so we met yesterday, and so our chef was like, okay, we can do freezer meals. We can do crockpot meals. And she's starting to align a, like, classes. So they, they take classes at our—we have this beautiful kitchen um, that they can come to classes for. And every week we have different classes. So they may come for a curriculum that we're teaching or— it, perhaps it's meals in 30 minutes or less. Like every week there's something different for them to come to. Very cool. And you have a chef. Yeah. So that means that it's not, okay, here's your seven meals for the week and this is what you're eating for the rest of your life. No. You have somebody on board that is coming up with new ideas and new recipes and what have you. All of us yeah. could use that help. Um, I could get use into, that help. So she yeah. teaches culinary skills during the classes. So um, someday I will not cut myself when I use a knife. <laughs> that is what Brittany and I have decided. We have set a goal. <laughs> I will learn how to chop vegetables. Um, 
and they get recipes, um, they get some nutrition ed. So we talk about, we're really trying to focus on like, what does it mean when you eat whole foods? Why is that better than eating something right, processed? Right. Um, so not so much focusing in on calories necessarily with them, but like, let's talk about why it's good for you to incorporate fresh spinach into your diet. It's right. a really great source of folate, which is important during pregnancy for X reasons. It's a really great source of iron. Um, and so we're really trying to teach kind of the value of what these foods can bring into your diet and um, they just people love it it's a chance to socialize we provide child care so they can bring their kiddos and there's babysitters to watch them and they can they can learn and, and learn how to prepare meals for their families and we have participants who have told us they're preparing dinner now four or five nights a week for their family oh my gosh and we know from research like that is an incredibly valuable time to be able to sit down as a family and have dinner together well and good for you dinner not yeah we ran through the drive-through well and it's so empowering to know that you have the resources and the skills to be able to cook dinner for your family right um they're really enjoying it. And there are some people who it, it does it, it's not a great fit for. They're, they're not really interested in maybe learning how to cook. They don't, that's not what they want to spend their time on. And so that's fine. But for those who are interested, yeah, they, they get one-on-one -on -one consultations with the registered dietitian. They get to work with the chef. They get to participate and provide feedback to us. Um, and we've had five healthy full-term babies so far. So, Aww. so far we're doing pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. So the, um, so when you are, one of the things that, because I've had a lot of people on talking about this food issue that yeah. we have where people don't have access to food, where they don't know what to do with it, even yeah. if they, good food's looking in the face, like, I don't know what to yeah. do. So do you, do you have volunteers at all that help in a part of this? I mean... There's got to be volunteers coming into play with a not-for-profit. Um, we have a, I think we had 8,500 volunteers come through Operation oh Food Search gosh. last year. What? Um, yes. Yeah, so volunteers are always welcome um, at OFS. In terms of this program, I mean, it started pretty small. We have 35 gotcha. people right now. Um, we have this amazing staff of women who are just like have just owned this program and want to make it the best it can be. And um, so... We haven't found a huge need yet for volunteers for this particular program. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you grow it, we're hoping to enroll 500 women over the next four yeah, years. Right. Um, which is going to be shares. Um, the the food is harvested on Tuesdays, delivered to Fair Shares Tuesday um, evening. The bags are packed Wednesday and or first thing Thursday morning, and then we get them around noon on Thursday. And so then we have the rest of Thursday and Friday to verify those orders and get everything out the door to families. We've been really trying to make opportunities for the program graduates to um Come on board, and oh, so cool. yeah, right. That's awesome. Yeah, so we just hired our very first graduate. Um, she is going to be the delivery driver. So, as a recent mom herself and a pr participant in the program, um, starting next week, she is going to be out in the community delivering the shares to those moms that don't have transportation, checking in with them, really being able to relate on that peer-to-peer -peer level. Oh, how cool! Yeah, we're really excited about that. This is so holistic. <laughs> right? And we've been thinking this whole time, like, how do we create something that's, like, replicable for others right. to be able to to, um, to do this as well? And, I mean, if they, too, can find a crack team of 
really motivated professionals to do this, then you too can. That's create what this. it takes, right? Yeah. Passion and drive. Yeah. yeah. And if you happen to have, um, you know, a really generous funder like Bear Foundation that's willing to. Um, you know, help fund this idea of can we um, make the case that addressing food insecurity during pregnancy improves outcomes and decreases healthcare costs? And if that's the case, why can't we prescribe food? Right. If you, exactly. That makes complete sense. If you would pay for insulin for diabetes, yeah. why wouldn't you pay how for about, whole food? How about we, yeah, how about we learn how to make the kind of food you should be eating? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Trina, this is impressive. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. Okay, we are back with Trina. It is question time. All right. This is this is kind of fun, especially now that I know you a little bit more. So I am interested in this for my own purposes because yeah. you've dealt with so many volunteers and I noticed it on your LinkedIn that yeah. you like... Give me some hints for volunteer management. So we actually have someone who does volunteer management. Okay. So um, I think it's really important to know what volunteers hope to get out of the experience. Right. So everyone comes in with a different expectation. We have individuals that come to us. Maybe they hear about a specific program and want to um, volunteer and do something around that program because it's meaningful. We also have huge corporate groups come in and they want a team building experience. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, we'll try and build something around that for them. But I think the key from what I know in my life in nonprofit work is to really make sure it's it's a meaningful experience for the person who's come to volunteer for you. Well, that makes you. sense because they yeah. really are coming in. If you're like, I don't care. We want you to go file things. I'm like, but I wanted to help people cook. Right. And we <laughs> right. do. They, you can, they're you not going to stick around. You can volunteer with us and we have something that you're called a nutrition ambassador. And so you can volunteer to do classes with with students, with kids. Um, we do family classes. Um, you know, we're doing these classes once or twice a week for our Fresh RX participants. There, if you're interested in like teaching others how to cook um, and eat healthy, like that is one of our volunteer opportunities. Very cool. Yeah. So it starts with them. Why are you here? Yeah. And then that helps you to really understand how to keep them right. on board with you and not leave. I mean, obviously they're in, they, they've they've taken this the step of reaching out to you as an organization, so they feel that they have some motivation or right. link to and you know we hear all sorts of stories it might be that as a child my family was food insecure or you know I was on I received SNAP benefits when I was going through a rough time and was downsized at my job people you know we got a ton of calls during the federal furlough of people wanting to know how they could help support federal employees who of course were right. not getting a paycheck yeah, exactly um, so the nice thing is I mean St. Louis is an incredibly generous community. Oh, I love hearing that. I mean, really, both in terms of supporting the organization financially and giving of their their time. Um, we just see such an outpouring during the year of people who really want to help the community and help their neighbors because you never I know. You Good never job, know. St. Louis, yeah. right? Way to go, St. We're Louis. Awesome. We love you. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about food insecurities and hunger and such. Is, is there something that people find surprising that when you talk about all of these various issues, like, really? I had no idea. So um, I, I think people don't realize, um, number one, food insecurity, I think, is something that can be hard for people 
to grasp in terms of what that means. It's a USDA. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture created that term. Gotcha. Um, and I think I used the definition earlier. So it's whether or not you have enough food to l- live a healthy, active lifestyle. So there's some amount of subjectivity okay. to that definition. Um And I think that can be a little standoffish. Um, So we tend to talk about hunger, um, which is similar, but you can be food insecure and not necessarily experience hunger. Um, Maybe you're not able, maybe you want to eat fresh food, but all you have is what you can buy at the local corner store. Gotcha. Um, So I think um, one of the interesting facts is that in the state of Missouri, if we look at Missouri, um, when we look at food budget shortfalls, Families are short $430 million a year in meeting their food needs. Oh my gosh. That's a huge number. That's a number. huge number. And so we think about the fact that as an organization, we hand out about $35 million right. worth of food. So there's still nearly $400 million worth of unmet need that the other six food banks across the state have to make up um, wow. along with us. Um Food insecurity is higher among children than it is among the adult population in general. Um, So something like one in six children experience food insecurity. Oh, my gosh. Really? That much? Yeah. Um, And depending on where you look in, in the geography, it can be, you know, worse in some areas than other. A lot of it has to do with where there are, they call them low income, low access areas. So where are people um, making less than the poverty level? Um, Where are people who report not having access to transportation? Um, And where are there locations that um, grocery stores are more than half a mile away in urban areas or two miles away in rural areas? And it's, we don't see those people because they don't live in our neighborhood. So it's it's hard to know that there's these areas where it's that bad. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, they may very well live in your neighborhood. Food insecurity is increasing fastest among middle class. What? Yeah. I mean, a, a study recently came out looking at the rise of food insecurity among the middle class. And is it just because the middle class isn't making the amount of money they used for me. Do you know why? It is. So we have some great charts to look at and it it is stagnant unless you're in the top 40% of earners in the country. um, Those, your, your wages have been stagnant over the last 60 plus years. Right. Um, So I've kind of, I've noticed that. Yeah. Like I've no, I've noticed that where it's like, how do people live off of what, you know, and the incomes that some of these people are getting? I'm thinking, how, how are they living off that? Right. And I think that only first, this idea of middle-class food insecurity really started coming to light with the recession. So that's when people started seeing people who they would have considered affluent and definitely having enough food to eat. Um, suddenly we're losing homes and losing cars and losing jobs. Right. Um, and so, I think this is kind of a, I mean, I consider when you look at any trend, there's been food insecurity since the beginning of time. The last 10 years is, and it's shameful to people. I mean, you don't necessarily- You feel like I can't afford food for my own family. That's just, oh my gosh. Yeah. You're not going to tell your neighbors or your friends um, that, you know, yes, I made my car payment this month, but I can't afford groceries for the last two weeks of the month or whatever it may be. That is just so surprising and so sad. Yeah. Wow. 
But it's, it, I mean, it's hidden. And yeah, yeah. It, it, there's such shame attached to the idea of being food insecure. But they can come to you. So it's, and it, you know, and it's, if you need help, you need help. Ask if you need help, help, you need help. And um, we don't pass out food directly to the community, but if you go to our website, which is operationfoodsearch.org right. and click on the find food tab, you can put in your zip code yep. and find all of I our- I saw that. Yeah. I saw that's awesome. It'll tell you exactly where you can go. What Very hours cool. they're open and, and and everything else that you need. So yeah, there's also a Fresh RX website for people who want to learn more about the Fresh RX program or see some of the recipes that I we're cooking I think I'm going to go look at the recipes just because the one video that you showed, there was there was like a sweet potato kale dish on there that looked really good. Yeah, and that's just OFSFreshRx.org. Got it. And you can sign up for your own account. You can save recipes. We add new recipes every week when the the shares come out. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So I'm going to go for those 30 minute or less recipes. I can do those. <laughs> I like three minutes. I like five minutes oh, wait, or less. That's even better. <laughs> I didn't know you had those. <laughs> uh, usually it's an omelet. <laughs> there you go. Right? You can freeze those. All right. I have one more question for you, yeah. which was not on my, uh, I wasn't thinking I was going to ask this, but since we started our, when we started discussing when we first met. Yeah. I have to ask, but can you please tell me about the fat squirrels in your backyard? (laughs) (laughs) So those who are watching on Facebook will get to hear it twice, but um, I am... I think I'm maybe like fashioning myself after like Dr. Doolittle or maybe it's Snow White or some princess because I have a lot of woodland creatures and I am so amused by feeding them. And someone's probably going to tell me I shouldn't be feeding them. Oh, I hope not. I love the um, story so much. Yeah, Don't take away our joy. Don't take away my joy at giving the three squirrels in my backyard high cholesterol. <laughs> So um, there is a tree, a huge old hundred plus year old tree in my neighbor's yard. And there's a family of squirrels that have lived there since. I mean, I'm sure it's not the same squirrels, but you know, they've lived generations there since. Generations of squirrels generations have come to your backyard. Have come to my backyard. <laughs> um, and so I started feeding them. And I can't really remember why I started. I might've had like leftover apple or something, but I um, started putting food out on top of my gas grill, which because I don't eat meat at home. I don't know why I have it. It's really just a squirrel feeding device now. Do portobello mushrooms. Right? I turn it on like twice a year. Like, does it still work? (laughs) Oh, it's working. Oh, wait, squirrels are living inside of it. Um, So I started putting out- It's a new home Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And so I started putting um, food out on top. Um, Their go-to every day is that they get um, sunflower seeds. Um, And then I started adding things like right now they're eating a lot of Girl Scout cookies (laughs) because I bought so many. Um, And I just love to watch them. I love the way they hold things and their little, are those paws, claws, whatever they are. (laughs) Um, And they'll just sit on top of it and eat things. And so apple slices, like I like to find things that are cute for them to hold, to eat. (laughs) What's the cute holding factor? Um, I don't, it just looks like when you have like an apple slice in your hands and you're like, and they like kind of do eat it like corn on the cob. Oh my gosh. They're super messy eaters though. Like things go flying everywhere. I totally, I want to start a YouTube channel. We need you. to put a I camera think, out there. Yeah. I um, think we're, we're onto something here. But yeah, as I shared, so they, they like dried fruit, they like fresh fruit. Um, they're iffy on vegetables. It depends on what it is. They'll eat carrots. Gotcha. Um, but when I've tried to put out leftover cooked entrees, um, they are not interested in pasta. Of course, no reflection on your cooking. No reflection on no, my cooking. Just, no. They just 
don't like cooked food. Um, but yes, I had to stop like experimenting with some of the larger dishes because of the possum population. <laughs> then the possum that, showed that up. That was visiting at night. And they're bigger than my dog Fizz. And so he would like go out at night and there would be this huge oh. possum on the deck. Like, raccoons? Eat, have any raccoons I haven't seen any raccoons. Pro- yeah, well, you might have to like have a camera on all night. You'd I mean, they could some, be there. Yeah. But poor little Fizz is like 17 pounds and he'd walk out and here's this like huge possum a monster. Like, hissing at There's him. There's a monster outside. Yeah. <laughs> but these squirrels are so lazy now, they will just lay on top of they will frog leg. They'll sploot. Sploot, yeah. which is a new word that yeah. I got to learn yeah. today. So they like kind of lay flat on their belly, their legs out behind them, just twitching their tails, waiting for me to get up in the morning and, and come feed them. So I essentially am their waitress, their chef and waitress. I work for them now. <laughs> And I feel some guilt, like on when I travel for work. Like I don't feel like I can ask my dog sitter to like. She by the put way, some things out for my squirrel friends in the morning. I've, I've, by this time, or else they will be upset with they you. They will be chattering at you. <laughs> yes. And then the birds kind of wait off in the distance. The squirrels finish, and then the birds come to take. Well, the birds are used to like. Eh, squirrels always get it first. Yeah. They're used to. They're used to the squirrels invading their prop, their food. Yeah. Supply. The squirrels like they love potato chips. I'll like get a sandwich or something at Panera and you know, it comes with a side and I'll either get the apple or the chips and I feed them to the squirrels. I need this for the squirrels. squirrels. Oh my God. I think this is hilarious. (laughs) So, you know, there's so much video content around this that we could put out, but I also think we could start a whole trend on the internet. Remember when planking was the thing? I think we should start splooting. Yeah. I think this would be a very good thought. My terrier, not only did my squirrel sploot, I seem to... um, Somehow, animals around me sploot because my squirrels sploot on top of the um, on top of the gas grill, and my dog Fizz sploots, but he does it forward and reverse. Oh, he's like a I don't know. That's taking splooting up to the next level. I think it's Olympic style splooting. <laughs> we could, Trina. This has been too much fun. I just love it, but also so awesome. I mean, thank you for all that you're doing for the the communities of St. Louis and Illinois. It's Missouri. I mean, it's it's just amazing. Thank you. Well, I love my job. I love getting up and doing this every day. Yeah. And thanks for being interested in it. Well, yeah. I love to talk about not only my squirrels, but also my work. (laughs) Operation Food Search. (laughs) Everyone out there, you have been listening to Mishmash. Please go to iTunes and subscribe. Thank you all. And don't forget to sploot.